Coffee House Shots is sponsored by Crux, one of the world's leading boutique asset management firms specialising in Asian, European and UK investments. We invest in the long term and our dedicated team of investment professionals have decades of fund management experience between them. Visit cruxam.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, The Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Cindy Yu and I'm joined by Katie Balls and James Forsyth. So today we had a record number of recorded cases at around 88,000 uh, infections, which is higher than even in the January lockdown. Katie, the Omicron situation is not looking good for the country and especially for London right now, is it? Cases are going up rapidly and I think the numbers we've seen clearly point to the everything we've really in a way suspected about this variant which is that it does spread much more easily it's very transmissible i also think though if you look at the numbers today so today we're speaking on thursday eighty-eight thousand three hundred seventy-six cases if you think about how the fact yesterday it was seventy-eight thousand cases i think you are having some people say well look this is clearly more spreadable than delta but also this idea is doubling every two days let's wait and see because the modelling suggested this would balloon to such a thing. So I think actually, while the numbers are higher than what we've seen previously, I think there is a little bit of a sense of, let's just see the trajectory of this to see if it does actually compare to that quite scary modelling, because that so far has been you know, a modelling of prediction. I think in terms of concerns over Omicron, I think the government is very concerned. We had a press conference yesterday, and it was a bit of a strange press conference because you had... Nothing new really announced. Boris Johnson had already done that address to the nation um, where he had spoken about increasing the booster rollout, this big focus on it. And the press conference was effectively Boris Johnson again pushing on boosters, showing a new slogan about getting boosted. But I think what has really led the news today was how stern in a way Chris Whitty, the chief medical officer, was in terms of people's behaviours. And going further than the Prime Minister, the Prime Minister was stood next to him, so it did appear to imply at least, you know, this he wasn't going massively off script, saying you need to really think about your socialising. Not completely saying don't socialise, but effectively saying prioritise the things you really care about because you're not going to be able to do everything it's spreading very fast and actually everyone needs to try and limit their contacts to a degree. And that's led to lots of accusations today that the Prime Minister is effectively overseeing a lockdown by stealth, not announcing support packages, but at the same time implying to people that they should moderate their behaviour. Lots of hospitality venues, theatres saying they cannot operate for a few reasons. One, the number of staff members who actually have COVID right now. And two, the fact that they're seeing customers cancel bookings. But then I think... The other way people are looking at it, I think it's particularly some Tory MPs, is not that it's Boris Johnson's lockdown by stealth, but instead that Boris Johnson is being overruled or led by advisers who are speaking out of turn. So you had quite an exceptional um, situation this morning when Joy Morrissey, who's a PPS for the government, she tweeted basically suggesting Chris Whitty had spoken out of turn and actually the chief medical officers should be listening to the elected members of the House in terms of how far they want to go. That tweet's now been deleted, but I think it does reflect this building backbench anger and some on the payroll, which is that they think that advisors are pushing the Prime Minister further than Boris Johnson would be otherwise. Yeah, I know. I thought the Joy Morrissey tweet and the speed at which it was deleted, the government can't pick a fight with the chief medical officer at, at this point. And I think it was also trying to, you know, say to Tory MPs, cool your heels on this stuff. I think there is a, a very difficult 
problem for the government right now. In that I don't think it wants to introduce more restrictions. But in the current environment, and with the current rules that if you test positive, you have to isolate for 10 days, people are naturally just going to choose to stay home because they, they don't want to be isolating on Christmas Day. And I think that's particularly difficult and harsh on hospitality because they rely on this time of year to make enough money to carry them through January uh, and those other, those other quieter months at the start of the year. So that, I think, is a very difficult situation to handle. And I think the other thing is that we are, we are in a situation where I think some veterans of the pandemic are worried because they are saying, like, look at the speed at which cases are increasing. You know, you would now need Omicron to be substantially milder for it to be okay. Uh, you know, this isn't the, 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 it being milder is not nice to have, but, kind, but, 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 but important. I also think that we are, with this level of infections, we are going to see disruptions because, you know, it'll be difficult to, to staff things because there'll be so many people off. And, and so we are once again, I think, going to be into a, into a, into a very COVID dominated world. And I think it's interesting that in these circumstances, the Queen has cancelled the kind of expanded royal family Christmas lunch on the grounds that she thinks, you know, she, it basically endangers too many people's Christmas plans. E.g., if you have a lunch like that before Christmas and one person there turns out to have it, they are quite likely, given how transmissible this seems to be, to give it to lots of the other people there. And so she said, look, it would be better to cancel it. I, I think that that is something that I think a lot of people will take a cue from. Katie, as you mentioned, the Prime Minister is being criticised today um, for not having consistent messaging with Chris Whitty. But isn't this what a lot of people wanted to say that let's not make these lockdown things law, but just to say that they, you know, use people's common sense. You know, if you, as James says, you're going to deprioritise those things that you don't care about as much. So isn't this actually what people have been saying that they want, that they don't want the rules, they just want to be able to make the choices themselves? I think you've got a few things there. I definitely think this idea of advisory restrictions, does that make, I mean that even still a restriction is something that's being pushed? I think if you look at Scotland, when Nicola Sturgeon has spoken about this idea that you shouldn't have more than three households come together, that is advisory. And I, and I think, therefore, if the government were to move to more restrictions, it would probably be the wisest thing to, to keep it in that advisory way. So you're making clear what people need. But I think the problem the government currently finds itself in is it's not completely clear. You have a situation where Chris Whitty is saying, oh, be a bit careful, think about where you're going. Boris Johnson, when pressed, still won't say cancel your Christmas party. So therefore you have hospitality venues who are facing cancellations because everyone's looking at the numbers, looking at the mood music, thinking twice, as James was saying. Um, but yet they cannot get any support for that because technically nothing has changed. And then I think you add to that the fact that the government's advice just isn't very logical. This idea that don't go to work, do you go to your Christmas party? It just, again, I think it, you can tell people to do that, but most organisations are cancelling their Christmas parties because they see the first piece of advice and they don't want to do the second. And I think you add to that the party gate and this idea that Boris Johnson perhaps couldn't tell people with a straight face to not have their Christmas party after all the stories about Downing Street Christmas parties that are refusing to go away. And it isn't so much of advisory. I think in Scotland, you actually have a simpler situation where they're saying this is the guidance, this is what you should be doing. In England, it's much more 
we don't think you should have to change anything. We don't want to cancel Christmas, but do be a bit careful. And I think that is obviously causing angst for the industries affected that by that. It's interesting, for example, that Rishi Sunak, who's been in America, is coming back now. Discussions are starting to, you know, take place about whether they need to offer some support to these businesses being affected by this. Now, James, in non-COVID news today, the Bank of England has increased interest rates to 0.25%. Am I right in thinking that's still not very high, but it's actually quite a big increase from the 0.1% it was, and that reflects the worries that the bank have about inflation? Yeah, it's still below pre-pandemic levels. And I I think that people last month in November, there there was surprise in the markets when the bank didn't raise rates. Today, I think there is surprise that the bank did raise rates, but maybe lots of people thought the bank would say, oh, we don't know how this new variant is going to affect the economy. It will almost certainly suppress demand, which could reduce some of the inflationary pressures. So they might take their time and decide not to look. But I think given how high inflation now is, over 5%, it's very, very hard for the Bank of England not to act. And I think basically this, this, this what in historical times is a very small shift, is, is more designed to send a message that the Bank of England has, has got its eye on it than it is to do anything else. I think it's designed to say, look, we are prepared to raise rates if necessary to try and counter inflation. I think there is an interesting question, though, which is this, which is how much does raising interest rates help, given that some of the inflation is caused by supply chains not having come back to normal post the pandemic? If we do end up in another lockdown, that will create economic disruptions. It will shift the desire and balance for, for, for goods and services. And then I think the other point is that a lot of a decent amount of this inflation is also being caused by increased global commodities prices. And you know, it's hard to imagine that the Bank of England raising interest rates is going to have a massive effect on, on that. But I think what the bank felt was that for its credibility with inflation so high, so far over target, that it couldn't, it couldn't just sit on its hands. Katie and James, thanks very much. And before you go, I'd like to just plug, not the evening blend this time, but Spectator TV, which our colleague Max Jeffrey has been putting together. And there's a very special guest, which is Andrew Neal, and there's also a very special guest in Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary. James, what, what do they talk about, just as a tease for uh, people who are going to be watching on YouTube from 6pm? So it's, it's a proper, old-fashioned, half-an-hour interview, kind of in-depth interview with a cabinet minister that you very rarely get on in, in, in the, the British media these days because politicians are reluctant to, to do them and broadcasters are reluctant to devote this length of time to it. It covers everything from Ukraine to Taiwan, where he says essentially that, you know, he's not in a position to say how the UK, would, whether the UK would act to defend Taiwan as Australia has said it would, because that's going to wider whole of government discussion. He talks about Iran and the JPPOA. Uh, and, but uh, one of the things that struck me most was at the end of the interview, Andrew Neil asked him about the way that the army has now been used almost as a domestic resilience corps. And uh, you know, look, at the, look, at the, look at the amount of times you see the army drafted in, whether it's during this uh, dealing with COVID or flooding or to restore power to people after Storm Arwen. And, and, and what Ben Wallace says is, you know, look, once COVID is over, that they are going to need to reassert the principle that calling in the military should be the last resort, not the first resort. And I mean, that is an interesting side of the kind of the private frustration within the MOD and the military that at a time when the army headcount keeps being cut, you know, the demands on the army from the civilian authorities for domestic assistance keep growing. 
Great. And listeners can go to YouTube and just search Spectator TV to watch that interview for free. And if you are stuck at home isolating or if you're feeling a little bit gloomy about the way the world is going right now, why don't you sign up for The Spectator at spectator.co.uk forward slash celebrate. You can get 12 issues for just £12 and a free bottle of Tattinger champagne completely free so what what could be better than that so do go to spectator.co.uk forward slash celebrate thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow